Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The post-pandemic economic recovery has brought with it a return to business as usual for many Canadians. But while that's generally good news, it has also meant a record number of jobs going unfilled, with many sectors unable to operate at capacity due to vacancies. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10.3. Kevin Carmichael, editor-in-chief of the Financial Post, joins me to discuss why we're seeing such high numbers of job vacancies, what it could mean for wage growth in Canada, and what impact that could have on inflation. Don't forget you can find us on all your favorite listening platforms, whether that's Google, Spotify, Apple, or even Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Kevin, the COVID-19 pandemic brought all sorts of upheaval to the economy, to the job market in Canada with business closures, layoffs, and you know work from home restrictions. But for those who have forgotten, you know, we'd like to put the last two years kind of in our rear view, put our blinders on. How bad did things get for workers? Indeed, no, it's easy to forget how bad things were. Um, and they were awful. Um, you know, the unemployment rate uh, peaked at 13.4%. I mean, that's, that's the highest on record. Now, those records don't, uh, they only go back to the mid-70s. But essentially, yeah, we were looking at perhaps one of the worst labor markets we've seen you know, since the since the depression, since the Great Depression. So yeah, you know, and and, uh, and remember, three million people were uh, were out of work uh, at the trough of of the uh, the pandemic. So um, yeah, it was terrible. And you know, another point of comparison, you think back to the Great Recession. Um, only uh, now, emphasis on only four hundred thousand people lost their job then. Uh, just a point of comparison. We're talking four hundred thousand um, during what was uh, up until. Two years ago, the worst uh, recession that we'd seen in, in recent memory versus three million during the pandemic. So yeah, it was uh, it was bad there. So I mean, with that in mind, you know, we we've come out of this period of restrictions. The economy has recovered. We've seen life kind of get back to normal. But what has that meant for workers? Is you know, are we seeing things get back to the kind of unemployment rate that we were seeing before? Are we seeing people return to work in the same numbers as before? You know what? It's it's interesting to use the word word normal. It's um, it's in fact we've we've gone back to another uh, phase of abnormality, I guess you could say, but uh, but perhaps um, a more pleasant sort. I mean, the the employment market over the last year or so has just been on fire. I talked earlier about sort of the the records that we reached. Uh, 
during the trough of the pandemic, but um, but we're now basically uh, experiencing the the best labor market that uh, that exists on on StatsCan's contemporary records. Anyway, uh, the you know the unemployment rate, for example, was dipped below five percent um, over the summer, like four point nine percent, according to StatsCan. I mean that's uh, that's unheard of. Um, in fact, it's probably too fast, too aggressive for reasons that we may discuss later. But people will be very familiar with all the inflationary pressures and things that uh, we're dealing with now. I mean that's in small part, or not so small part, actually. I should say to uh, to the fact that so many people are working. Uh, the Bank of Canada is struggling with excess demand, so the economy, frankly, is probably a little too hot. And it's it's too hot in part because the economy hasn't recovered so quickly from from the pandemic. It's just it's been amazing to to document to chronicle. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean that brings us to the the series that papers across our company are are running right now. This idea that the economy is is red hot. There are people who've returned to work, and so much so that businesses and organizations are are having trouble getting workers in. And you know, I. I think back to when I moved to Calgary in 2004, there were job vacancies everywhere, but I imagine that this is countrywide and poses a different challenge to our economy. But first, I want to talk about kind of why we're seeing this period of, of jobs going unfilled, you know, or is it that people, the companies have recovered since the pandemic, that, that the economy has recovered so much, or are there instances where people aren't necessarily wanting to return to jobs that they may have had before? It's a mix of all those things. The primary reason that that we're seeing we're seeing what we're seeing now, um, sort of, and what I'll say is probably an exaggeration of trends that you were witnessing back when you were moving to Calgary that have uh, sort of building toward this moment. It has to do with what we talked about earlier, which is the never before seen sort of um, acceleration in the economy that that we saw coming out of the out of the recovery. So that combination of of zero interest rates and massive fiscal stimulus on the part of, of governments that just stoked the economy to such a pace of growth that um, employers just couldn't keep up. There just aren't enough workers out there to uh, to fill all the uh, the jobs that uh, that companies um, would love to be able to fill to to keep up with demand, keep up with orders, um, what have you. Um, I talked about the the fact that this is just sort of uh, accelerating a trend, and that trend is the uh, the demographic shift that we've been talking about forever. I feel like I've been reading and, and writing about this since I started in this business a couple of decades ago. But just the aging of the society and the effects that's ultimately going to have on the economy. Well, we're starting to see this. We were starting to see this uh, heading into the pandemic, and we sort of saw it throughout the pandemic. And I think we're going to continue to see it going forward. And that's just the fact that because the society, because our society is aging, because there are more and more workers retiring all the time or choosing to retire, uh, that just leaves employers with um, a smaller pool of workers from which to draw. And it's at this stage that the you know supply-demand dynamics naturally take hold, that this great number of uh, vacancies that we've been writing about um, across the chain uh, this week, and um, that's going to start to put upward pressure on on uh, on wages as a result. And we'll probably get to talk about that in a second too. But so, to me, those are the two big factors that are going on here. One, just the, the rapidity of the of the recovery, um, and then sort of combined with the fact that there just aren't that many workers out there to to keep up with the demand. Now, yeah, as you mentioned, you know this this potentially puts workers 
in the driver's seat when it comes to things like pay and perks. Are we seeing that? Are we seeing, you know, wage growth after after the pandemic? Is this is this something that is seen as a positive for workers? And how does it compare to the last few decades? Where where have wages been in the last 30, 40 years historically? For the past few decades, there's actually been sort of a, a downward pressure on wages, and that's sort of uh, the reverse of the demographic effects that we were just talking about. For most of the, let's say, 90s, 2000s, there was essentially a surplus of workers. Now, that's not entirely in the Canadian context. There, there were plenty of workers around uh, through the through the 90s and, and 2000s, but it's it's because of globalization. It's because of China's inclusion in the global economy and the, the growth of emerging markets. Uh, that just brought a, a massive uh, swell of, of available workers for manufacturers, uh, for all sorts of companies around the world. And they took advantage of that by by outsourcing a lot of their production out of North America, out of Europe, to to take advantage of these newly opened uh, economies in Asia, Latin America, or, or elsewhere. So that massive global pool of labor put downward pressure on wages in places like Canada and the U.S. Um, to the point that so I think the, the peak in sort of the 70s was the about um, wages and salaries would, would make up about 50% of GDP, for example. Well, that's now down below 45%. But we're starting to see that reversal. And you can see it in, in the numbers that are uh, being stoked by by this um, uh, amazing number of, of vacancies that we're seeing out there in the economy. Wages are rising the average, uh, the most recent data was around 5%. The offers or the, the wages that um, that companies are offering had increased roughly uh, 5% from a year earlier. That's a, that's a pretty good rate of wage growth based on what I've observed over the last couple of decades in, in writing about the Canadian economy. That the wages generally sort of trundle along at a growth rate of 2 3% um, right there along with like sort of the, what we've gotten used to as a rate of inflation. But you're starting to see that turn, and you'd expect it to turn given the uh, the mismatch between supply and demand. So yeah, this is like a, a new moment for labor. Whether this is a great moment or not uh, remains to be seen. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, if you've got some some pricing power, it's hard to call it a negative. But uh, as everyone listening to this podcast will know, I mean, uh, the cost of living has surged right alongside the uh, the upper pressure that's uh, that we're seeing on wages. So. You know, uh, good question to be asked about whether uh, households of workers are, are any further ahead uh, right now when they have all this power with their employers, I guess we could say, to uh, to ask for a higher rate. I mean, those raises are, are being, being eaten up pretty quickly at the, whether it's the gas pumps, the grocery store, or where have you, because of all that inflation. Mm-hmm. And which sectors are, are seeing kind of these big gaps in terms of job vacancies and which sectors are seeing the biggest wage increases? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the biggest is, um, and, and this is this is almost an old story, but the, the tech sector, all the companies sort of cropped up over the last decade or so, um, you know, sort of at the cutting edge of the, the shift to the digital economy. These companies can't seem to get enough skilled workers or enough workers to, to do the kinds of things that they need them to do. That was an on. That was a story, you know, ahead of the pandemic. Uh, remained uh, an even bigger one through the pandemic, as we saw the sort of surge in, in investment um, into these companies as they as they scrambled to keep up with demand as the you know, retail and, and other aspects of the economy shifted online. Uh, so that remains um, you know, wages in, in, in those in industries and in those companies are increasing like 10, 12, 15 percent. 
Um, but you're seeing it across the board. I mean, other other places, transportation, warehousing, um, you know, a, a place where there was very little weight, upward wage pressure ahead of the, ahead of the pandemic. Um, you know, we're all aware of the supply chain stories um, and, uh, and all the issues that are going on there with the lack of workers to move goods around the economy, whether it's truck drivers, whether it's dock workers, uh, whether it's people to, to move stuff around in all those Amazon warehouses. Lots of upward pressure on wages in those industries. Um, really, it's across the board. Um, the only real anchor um, in the latest data, and this is uh, remarkable given what we've been through. Um, I guess what we're starting, we're trying to forget about is that uh, for whatever reason, wages in the healthcare sector are relatively weak, only going around four percent. But um, otherwise, across the board, there's all kinds of upward pressure on wages. We'll be right back. Is any of this driven by, you know, there's a phenomenon in in other countries, and I'm curious if it applies to Canada, this idea of the great resignation where people are kind of leaving jobs if there's a a great upswell of people kind of quitting to move to other sectors? Or is is Canada different than, say, the United States? Yeah, for whatever reason, uh, the data suggests that Canada is different than the U.S. in that regard. Now, why it's it, it's hard to say, um, and uh, and I think you know we all heard lots of anecdotes during the pandemic about people just sort of like you know um, after a, a couple of months at home deciding that the last thing they wanted to do was go back to the office, so they you know go out and and find some work that you know that, that they found more meaningful. So lots of anecdotal evidence along that line, but it, it doesn't show up in the Canadian data. It certainly showed up in the American data, and why that's the case, it's not entirely clear to me. Um, it probably has something to do with, I'll say, cultural reasons. I mean, there's sort of strain of risk aversion here in Canada versus, uh, sort of the flip side, I would say, uh, in the U.S., at least based on my years of, of living there, a certain cultural affinity with, with risk taking in the U.S. that might have allowed for some, some job shifting to take place. You know, I, I suppose that there's also in the Canadian context just that much more stability, um, given the social safety net. People just feel comfortable sort of staying where they are. Well, that doesn't exist to the same extent in the U.S., so that might explain some of what we're seeing on going uh, going on in the U.S. But I won't say here that that was um, something of a fad or or hype, but uh, the, the U.S. data started to suggest that maybe the Great Resignation wasn't exactly what we thought it was at the time, but it certainly explained for a little while at least some of the things that were going on in the U.S. and that uh, wages and job vacancies uh, surged there because people simply didn't want to uh, to work. They decided, for whatever reason, during the pandemic to stake their lives in a different direction. So as we've talked about, you know, Canada is in the middle of a period of inflation that sparked all sorts of discussion around how governments can intervene and how, you know, maybe we need to raise interest rate hikes. And we also have job vacancies that are allowing people to ask for higher wages. So how does that factor into the inflation discussion and how do vacancies and inflation play off one another? Sure. No, there's an important uh, relationship going on there. Um, Wages are arguably key, depends who you talk to. Certainly the Bank of Canada uh, and other central banks see the dynamics in the in the labor markets, uh, things that are going on around uh, wages is extremely important. And this is why you think it through, uh, it makes a lot of sense. But uh, 
you know, say a, a worker out there goes to her, his employer and says, look, I want to raise uh, or I'm going to go across the street because they're offering me 10% more than you are here. Well, if you're an employer in an environment like this where you can't keep up with orders, you're going to bite the bullet probably and say, okay, I'll give you that raise to, to keep you here. But, um, you know, it, employers are also not particularly keen to see their profit margins shrink. So they're going to attempt to pass that uh, wage increase onto onto their customers and then so that's where you see start to see the ripple effect uh, happening and this is the kind of thing that uh, that the bank of canada is trying to um, trying to stop from happening so that's why interest rates are rising and why it's so um, so concerned about what's happening uh, in the wage market you know this has uh, become a bit of an irritant uh, for unions who have seen their wages suppressed for decades now, um, they are uh, not particularly keen to see the central bank uh, uh, talking so much about what's going on in the, um, in, the, in the labor market, what's going on with wages. They think uh, it's, it's their time to get a little payback. But uh, the Bank of Canada governor has made pretty clear that he's not particularly comfortable with um, with wage increases of around 5% um, uh, year over year, which is where they are now. He's, Probably more comfortable with them around two or three percent. So uh, looks like he's going to attempt to to cool off the economy until he starts to see some of that wage pressure come off. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess last question for you here. Ultimately, is there anything outside of kind of those levers that can be done here to to address either the wage growth and beyond that? Is this issue of job vacancies going to slow down anytime soon? It feels like you know it's not like oh there's a hot economy in one city, but it's not the case in other places in the country that it seems to be going on everywhere. So you can't attract more workers to one place. And ultimately, as you mentioned, people are getting older. Is this something that we may have to deal with for longer than, than say past isolated issues of, of hot economies and job vacancies? And so I think it is. So the short answer to your question is yes. This is something we're going to have to contend with going forward. And it might be the new reality for the Canadian economy and not just the Canadian economy, but all those sort of advanced economies, whether it's the U.S., France, take your pick of sort of sort of the G7 or the developed world. And again, it's because of demographics, because of aging. We've got these economies that have sort of gotten used to getting by with, uh, with a plentiful supply of labor. And we're going to go through this phase where these economies are going to have to adjust to try to reproduce the, the levels of wealth to which we've become accustomed with fewer people to do it. The positive side or the, the optimistic spin on this would be that you know co- companies will adjust, they'll become more productive, uh, we'll find technological solutions to, to fill the gaps left by, um, left by that sort of dearth or the lack of workers. So that might make a difference. Uh, immigration, too, also. also um, you see lots of companies pressing hard to bring more people into the company or into, sorry, into, well, into their companies or into the country to, to fill those vacancies. So I assume we'll see some of that. You know, but people who think hard about the, uh, the demographic shifts would tell you that uh, probably those sorts of fixes are only going to work on the margin, at least in the near term. Because we're just, it's, you know, history suggests that, um, you know, whatever the positive effects that, say, uh, productivity or innovation can have on, on efficiency um, and our ability to get by with, with fewer workers, 
um, you know, evidence is out there that, that suggests that we just don't make those shifts fast enough to, to deal with what we're experiencing right now with, with any haste. So it might help for a bit, but it's not going to, it's not going to be a silver bullet. It's not going to be the answer. Same with immigration. I think we all are aware that uh, even a country like ours is relatively open to immigration. There's a sort of a political threshold uh, that you will eventually run up against if you try to basically open the gates to, uh, to immigration. So that will help to a large extent, but it's probably not going to get us all the way. So it feels like we are entering something of a new phase where there will be these um, sort of a constant drumbeat from companies about how they, they can't fill all the all the jobs they have there to uh, to be filled. Um, that means that we'll sort of return to an era like the 70s where wages and salaries will take up a bigger chunk of the of the economy. There will be that upward wage pressure. And that gets back to our, our, our discussion about uh, what that does to inflation. It'll be a sort of a constant battle uh, on the part of the central banks to, to try to find a new equi- equilibrium, sorry, where, um, where all that sort of upward pressure on wages will sort of become almost structural given the mismatch between supply and demand. You know, what sort of interest rate that will uh, require to, you know, to, to keep the economy going at a rate that, um, that that upward wage pressure doesn't put too much uh, pressure on, on, on broader inflation. So that means that companies, households will, so in the case of households, will be benefiting perhaps from, from higher salaries, but uh, it'll cost more to borrow money because the, the Bank of Canada will be, uh, will reset uh, interest rates to, uh, to try to find a new balance. So it's not entirely clear to me that the uh, the world we're heading into is going to be remarkably different from the from the one we're we're leaving. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's uh, we might be making a little more money. So maybe we'll feel better when uh, when pay period comes around. Yeah, well, I, I know <laughs> something that a lot of Canadians are, are wondering about, and it's a a complex issue. I appreciate your time shedding some light on it, Kevin. Thanks again. Of course. Ten three is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Kevin Carmichael. More from him on this issue at financialpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.